Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 86 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And I've known this guy now for two decades, although he doesn't really text me much anymore. He doesn't call. He doesn't write. Why is that, A.J. Brzezinski? Because you're out at MLB Network. I don't need your influence anymore, Chris. That's why. I'm in a better place, though. I'm with John Boy <laughs> Media. We're taking over uh, the baseball space now. All right. Well, what, can I get a job? You've already got a job at Fox, a nice cushy job where you show up <laughs> once a week, you call a baseball game for three hours, you get back on your private jet and head back uh, to your beautiful home in Florida. If you mean by private jet, you mean Southwest, and mean like 250 of my favorite people, then yes, you are correct. I get on my private jet. <laughs> I would love to see A.J. Brzezinski. You, well, at least you get the business class, so at least you're like A6, and yes. so do you, uh, I have you for an aisle guy. Uh, you know, I used to do aisles only, and then Eric Caros, who obviously you know that we've both worked with, he's like, you always take the window, especially on long flights, because then if you fall asleep, you don't have to get up when someone has to go to the bathroom. So you're already in the corner, and they don't bother you when they walk by. So now I always take the window. I was always thinking, though, with a guy like you, because people don't realize how fucking big you are. What are you, You're 6'4", what are you, 230? I wish I was 230, Chris. Oh. No, no, I played at 255. You played at 255 pounds? Yes. yes. Are you like the heaviest catcher in Major League history? Uh, I don't know about that. I think Sal Perez might be right up there with me right now. That's true. That's true. I mean, he doesn't look, he doesn't look, you know, I don't want to say, you know, he doesn't look fat either. I mean, he's just a big guy, right? So, no, people are always, that was, you know, when you go to like the carnival games, you know, in, in Ohio and LA, you guys have those carnivals. Florida, we don't have those as much. Yeah. But, you know, they do the guess the weight. Uh -huh. I could always win the guess the weight, no matter uh -huh. what. Because they'd be like, oh, 200. And I'd be like, ha, easy money. Give me my you know, <laughs> blow up blow up doll or whatever it is, the stuffed animal. So I was always good at uh, I was always good for that one. So is are we sitting in the room where we're going to have um, the Hall of Fame victory parade <laughs> later this month? Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm in my uh, I'm at my little I don't want to say it's an office, but it's like the entryway. You kind of see my my door. If you look behind me, you see like yeah. the back door to my house. I'll move the computer a little bit with okay. the dog leashes and stuff. Uh, yeah, this is where I'll probably won't be sitting when no one calls me, whenever that whatever that day is. So, mm -hmm. but I did. I, I saw somebody voted for me, so I got one vote. So I'm happy about that. But really, do you know who it was? I think it was uh, Sullivan from Texas. Okay. Dr. Dr. Sullivan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, I mean, you're not the first guy that people are going to think of when they're they're Xing out 10 names on a ballot this year, but you got more than 2,000 career hits. How many seasons did you get in? 18? 19. Come on, don't sell me short. 19. Holy shit. 19. <laughs> you were always healthy. You were a two-time All-Star. You were a World Series champion. You know, people knew you because, well, oh, there's that guy, A.J. Pruszynski, but you were you had a damn good career that you should be proud of. Oh, I'm very proud. Listen, I'm very proud of my career. And I also realize how hard it is to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think you you look at other sports and, and football and even basketball, but especially football, you know, they they allow you know, 10, whatever it is, eight, 10 guys every year. Baseball it doesn't do that. I mean, there's years like this past year, there's zero guys that get in. So it's very hard to get in. To the big, I mean, there's guys, listen, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, you know, some of the greatest players of all time for different reasons. Pete Rose, they're not in the Hall of Fame. And and it, it, it's very hard. It's an honor just to be on the ballot. Uh, it's pretty cool. The Hall of Fame sends you a sample ballot with your name on it. And hmm. the one thing I'll say is JP Morosi put out his ballot the other day, and I wasn't on it. So I texted him and I said, JP, no, I mean, I, we worked together, we were on the same crew. <laughs> At Fox, you can't. I can't get like a vote on there. What was he, what was JP's response? Because he's such a nice guy. Oh, he's like I thought very hard and long about each of my selections. <laughs> Unfortunately, you did not make the top ten. <laughs> Please just continue to bust his balls because you. Oh. Me. oh God! It's oh. Gonna... Well, while we're here, why don't we discuss this? Because not only do you have the perspective of being a guy that played two decades in the show. But now you're you're a broadcaster too. Would you vote for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Alex Rodriguez? Yes, yes, no. Hmm. Why the differentiation? Well, 
I'm not gonna get am I gonna get in trouble for this? Probably, but whatever. Uh Barry, I played with Barry Bonds, the best offensive player I've ever seen. Uh ever played against, ever played with, by far. I know there's questions about whatever he did or didn't do, but offensively, even before all that stuff, he was unbelievable. And he was the best offensive player I've ever seen in baseball. And no one else is even close uh, that I played against, played with. Um, he was incredible. Uh, Clemens, I mean, the numbers add up. I know he, again, questionable things here and there. But seven Cy Youngs, the World Series, the 20 strikeout games, all the things he did. Plus, I know what it was like, what a bitch it was to get into the box and have to face him. I mean, it sucked. Like, you're like, oh, this dude could throw one in my head. If I get a hit, if I take a good swing, he's going to chuck one in my face. So, you know, he's gigantic, right? I play golf with him now, and he's gigantic. I'm like, how, how are you so big? And, uh, you know, he's actually a really good guy now that I've gotten to know him away from the field. Um, and then A-Rod, listen, the, the different, I guess the difference in the three is Alex did it after he knew, right? He knew that it was, and he had already been caught, and he still did. Like, so that's, to me, that's like just basically slapping baseball in the face like when Barry and Roger you know say what you want it was kind of pre-testing and was it mm-hmm. it was kind of in the gray area but listen when Alex Rodriguez did it he knew exactly it's like Pete Rose Pete Rose when he bet on baseball he knew what he was doing and in in spread tell people this they're like Pete Rose being the Hall of Fame I always say no and they say well what, you know all the time hit leader I said yeah but the first thing you do in big league spring training is you have to sign the article 21 the no betting, they read it to you, you have to read it, then you have to sign it, then they read it to you in Spanish, just in case you didn't get it in English, or if you don't speak English, and then you have to sign it, and then they make sure you know what this means, they repeat it, repeat it, you cannot bet on baseball, don't bet. I mean, and so that's like a cardinal sin. And for me, that was kind of what Alex did, he broke one of the cardinal sins, which is after you get caught, and then they're testing and you know the consequences, and you do it again, that's kind of the difference. I wholeheartedly agree. You and, and it's I sad. Are... It's sad. Like it's because did he need to do that? Probably not. He would be he'd been a first ballot Hall of Famer. But sometimes, you know, we make mistakes, and I understand you forgive people. But you know, the Hall of Fame is a special place, and I know you're not supposed to to look at it like that. But for me, that's the difference. Well, if you say that Barry Bonds is the greatest offensive player you've ever seen, is A Rod like number two? No, because I because if I had to pitch to one guy. I'd pick A-Rod over, I'd pick A-Rod over, I mean, listen, Manny, David Ortiz, Barry Bonds. I mean, uh, geez, I'm trying to think of guys that were just clutch and clutch and big moments, right? It, I mean, Manny Ramirez for me was Albert Pujols, um, you know, guys like, for Manny Ramirez was the best right-handed hitter in clutch situations. There were times where I'm like, oh no, Manny's third up and we have to get two outs before he comes up to in the ninth inning. And I'm like, how do we navigate those two outs? So we don't have to phase Manny. Uh, because right well, handed by in the way, situations. Malaro always told me that he was way smarter. Than oh, people. way. He acted dumb, but he's not. Especially baseball sense wise. Yeah. He was, he knew what the pitcher was going to throw. He knew what, I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing when he, he came over to the White Sox in I think 2010, maybe. Or just like the last month or two of the season, we were trying to make a late run and uh, talking to him and getting to know him a little bit. It was really incredible how good of a hitter and how smart of a hitter and how he knew what the pitcher was going to try to do to him. How he'd set he'd set pitchers up. He'd take, he take. I remember catching against him and he he'd take a swing and you're like, oh, he's not on that pitch. And then the next pitch, he'd throw another nasty slider. He just shoot you to right. He'd be like, man, he set me up for that. Like he took a bad swing, so we throw it again. Boom, base it to right, like driving two runs. He was incredible. So you had one season you mentioned with with Barry Bonds, and you had an up close and personal seat to maybe the greatest season we've ever seen. Yes. The guy walked two hundred and thirty two <laughs> times in two thousand four. It was the last of his MVPs. Was he a dick? Not to me. Not not to me. I mean, listen, he was the one guy, if I had one at bat on my, on my life, if I said, hey, you're, and they had to, granted, they had to throw him a strike, but I need you to get a hit, I'd put my life on the line that he would be the guy to go up there and, and just absolutely smash a ball somewhere. If the guy had to throw him a strike. Um, 
he was not he he here's what Barry was. Barry was better than everybody else, and Barry knew it. And he if I was told Nephi Perez, you remember Nephi Perez? Sure do. Uh, he was on that team too, and he came up to me early in spring and he said, Hey, listen. And I, I was lucky. When I went, got traded to the Giants, I knew Barry. We had gone to Japan together in 2002. So I had gotten to know him a little bit uh, through that little tour that MLB does. And so when I went over there, um, we had a little bit of a prior relationship. But Nephew Perez said to me, listen, Barry's going to do something to you in the first couple of weeks of spring training. And if you just take it, he's going to wear you out forever. But if you kind of stand back or if you stand up to him and kind of fire back at him a little bit, He'll respect you and and that was kind of the relationship we had listen barry did some things where you're like uh, what is he doing but at the same time he never did anything to me personally where i could say hey he was a dick to me see but you don't take any shit. you stand up to guys <laughs> so that, that well, was, you, were, you were probably his perfect foil yeah no we, we get along great listen like i said i mean I, he walked how many would you say 232 times about 175 of those were intentional because i was hitting behind him so they were like well, we could walk Barry and pitch this slap dick behind him and it'll do a double play. <laughs> or we could we could pitch this guy that's going to hit a home run. And, uh, you know, so, like, we were talking about Cle like Clemens came up earlier, right? I played golf with Clemens, uh, I don't know, about a couple months ago in a golf tournament. We were talking about that year, 2004, was the year Clemens went to Houston. And his first start was against us, San Francisco, in Houston. It was the first game we beat Oswald. And we beat Oswald on a two-run homer by Barry Bonds in like the top of the eighth inning. I think we won two to one, three to two, something. But no one could hit him. But for some reason, he pitched to Barry, and Barry hit a home run. And it's like they knocked him out. We win the game. Next next day, we get Pettit. And the third day, we get Clemens. But I remember Clemens saying, he goes, I went up to Oswald after that game. He goes, why in the fuck did you pitch to Barry Bonds in that situation? Because he's the only guy on the planet that could hit you. And you threw him a cookie, and he hit a home run, and you lose the game. He's like... You just can't let him beat you. And then that same, then Clemens pitches two days later and the umpire's strike zone was like, I mean, the screen, I only have so much of the screen, but it was like this wide, right? And, and Clemens goes, oh yeah, I remember that game. He goes, I went, he goes, I remember that game so much that I went up to Barry after the game or the next time we saw him, I was like, man, I'm sorry. And, he, and I was like, yeah. I go, the umpire told me that he got so excited because you were pitching in Houston. The crowd was going crazy. And he just just called everything a strike. He goes, it didn't matter if it. I mean, I'm like, Roger, you threw me a ball that bounced three foot outside and was strike three. And he goes, I know, I remember that. He goes, that was one of my greatest pitching performances. Love it. Hey guys, Poppy Gordo here. We'll get you back to AJP and CRR. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about DraftKings because they're giving a crazy promotion. As the NFL playoffs are amongst us And we're counting down to Super Bowl 56 Crazy number uh, And they're giving you 56 to 1 odds You can win $280 in free bets If your team is victorious That's right, you pick a winner This weekend You know who's gonna win You're smart You're a sports fan What was that accent? And if you get... That game right, which I believe in you to do that, you will get 56 to 1 odds. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOMBOY, J-O-M-B-O-Y. That's the way we JOMBOY. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets. If your team wins, that's promo code JOMBOY. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Let's get back. So you also got to play with Big Poppy when he was not only not Big Poppy, <laughs> he was not even David Ortiz. No, he was David Arias at the time. When we well, so in Minnesota, when I was in A-ball, you have a you have a Fort Wayne hat on. I was in Fort Wayne, and they were the Wizards, and uh, David was in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, on the Wisconsin. Timber Rattlers, is that, I think that's what they were. And so we played against them, and we're like, man, this, this dude is good. Like, who is this guy, David Arias? He was at the Mariners, and we had no idea who he was. And then that offseason, he was the player to be named later for some, I don't know, Dave Hollins maybe, or, or somebody, whoever it was, to the Twins. And so I was excited because we went to the Florida State League at Fort Myers, and for spring training comes we here, oh, we got David Arias. Well, then spring training, it was David Ortiz, and we're like, man, Terry Ryan traded for the wrong dude. We wanted – 
the David Arias guy, but we got this David Ortiz guy. <laughs> and he ended up, I mean, listen, we, and he was in our four Myers and a ball. We had, had him, Jock Jones, um, trying to think who else was on. We had a really good team. Um, in the first game, I think it was the first night, opening night at Fort Myers. We're losing, I think, by a run. Bottom of the eighth, bottom of the ninth. David's up. They bring in a lefty, and he hits a home run off this lefty. And I was like, and, and like every time, he was only there for like three months. But for like those three months, he was like, every time we needed a hit, David got that hit in that situation. I was like, this guy is going to make it. He was a great guy and, and obviously went on to have the career he had. And I think – if you ask the twins, they would say, you know, that was one of the biggest mistakes they ever made was letting him walk. Um, but at the, at the same time, I mean, he was hurt a lot. Uh, his salary was going up. Twins didn't have a lot of money. They had some other guys they thought could be the DH. So I, I get it. But I mean, at the same time, man, if we would have had him in 2003, I really feel like we could have done some damage. We lost to the Yankees that year, but I think we could have done some more damage in the playoffs. So you knew he was good, but did you ever think he would turn into Big Poppy? No. no. No, I told him that when I went and played with him in 14 with the Red Sox. I was like, who are you? Like, you're not the same David. Like, you know, you've changed. You know, you've become cool. you become popular now. Like, too popular. Too big Too big for me. Um, but, no, listen, he, he was always one of my favorites. Uh, people always say, you know, did you talk trash to anybody? You know, he was the one guy that we would always have a nice back and forth when he came up to hit because we had known each other for so long. And, and he was always smiling on his face. And he'd say something about – you know, my family, something rude, and I say something back to him. So it was always good. He was always one of the best. I've known you a long time, and I've always liked you. When did you decide to lean into the whole bad guy thing? I don't know that I ever really leaned into it. Um, it just kind of became a thing, right? Like, you know, it just became a, a thing that wasn't going to go away. So at some point, you know, it's you just kind of got to go with it, right? I mean, not um, you, you want to fight it. In the beginning of my career, I kind of fought it a little bit. And, you know, to this day, I still kind of want to fight it. Um, because as a, as a human being and as a person, you're like, and I don't want that to be kind of my legacy. I'd rather it be like what kind of player you are and what kind of teammate you are, whatever it is. But, you know, you can't, you know, the media controls, as you know, now in the media, you know, you can control the narrative. As a media. Mm -hmm. You can make a guy look really good or you can make a guy look really bad just depending on, how you talk about them, how you say it, how you interview them, how you, you know, if you're a newspaper guy, how you write the, the article about the, the, the person. So um, I, I never wanted to be that guy. But then as I got, as now looking back on it in my career, I always look back and say, you know what, I wouldn't have survived any other way. It, it drove me. It, it really did drive me to be a better player because ever since I can remember in, in, in like high school and um, even maybe before that, it was always, I always had stuff, right? Like, and I always thrived off stuff. Like whether it was like in high school, I'd get, we'd get in fights and I was always kind of in the middle of it. Um, in the minor leagues, there was, you know, stuff. And I, but I love being in the middle of it. Um, and then you get to the major leagues, it's just a bigger, bigger microscope that's put on every player and everything you do is, is so watched and so intense and, and okay fine and then as it grew and grew i just kind of learned that you know what i i don't need this but i i want this stuff on me because some guys couldn't handle it and i knew i could handle it like i think that's why like ozzy Gein, right we got along because he knew he could say whatever he wanted about me and i was like okay whatever i'll deal with it but then there was guys that he couldn't say things so i think sometimes he would say things about me when he meant it kind of directed at other people right and, and i always and i tell people this is not, I don't recommend this to anybody to do it the way I did it, but I needed a hate, like a hatred. Um, I needed that feeling of the other guy hates me. And, and like Mark Burley, right? He's a great guy, one of my better, you know, best buddies in baseball, locker Nixon for seven years. And I'm putting he, he goes and I face him later on after we're not teammates anymore. And I'm like, I want to hate this guy. Like, even though I don't, like, you know, we're goofing around, he's talking trash to me on the mound, and I'm trying to get a hit off of him, but I'm like, oh, you know, trying to drum up hate just because that was how I competed. Like, like anger drove me more, like, wasn't a fear of failing. It wasn't a fear of anything, but what drove me was like, I'm going to show whoever, like, if somebody said something bad about me, I was like, screw you. I'm going to show you that you're wrong. 
And, and that was just kind of how I had to do it. And then when I got to the end of my career, I realized I can't do this anymore. Like I couldn't, I couldn't fake it. I couldn't manufacture like that drive to get going every single day. And that's when I was like, okay, it's time to, to, to step away. Did it hurt that, that there was that perception of you? I think it hurts more now than it at the time. Yes. I mean, listen, there were things that were said that weren't true and things that were said that were, you know, exaggerated. And that's okay. Fine. Um, there's also things that I did that probably weren't the coolest thing in the world, but at the time it was what I thought was right. And you know, the, you know, I guess you can apologize for them, but I wasn't trying to be mean to anybody. I wasn't trying to be an asshole to anybody. I was just trying to be mean. That was me. Um, I don't put up with a lot because I, mean, I think if you ask my kids, they'll tell you that I still don't put up with a lot at home. Um, but I don't do it be out of trying. It's just, just me. And, uh, it hurts. It hurt more like for my wife and my kids now that they're older. Cause you know, the internet never goes away. So they can Google me and my name and, you know, their friends do. And I help coach my son's baseball team at school. And, you know, sometimes they'll come in and ask you about certain things that are written and you just kind of laugh and, and move on and, and try not to dwell on it. But I mean, I wouldn't say it hurts, but I, you just kind of over it now. Cause I'm not, I feel like I'm not that person, especially now that I'm not playing. Like there was a difference on the field and off the field. And I think people, because of the media, they only see you on the field. So when people actually get to talk to you away from the field, and the other problem I had, I wasn't a big like hanger outer with like the other teams. And I wasn't a big, like go meet behind second base and hug everybody. And because it didn't work for me, right. It didn't work for, you know, you see the guys now on TV and everyone's like meeting at behind second base and, and giving a hug like that was never me because I was trying to beat the other person. So I, I think there was things like if I could have done that a little more, hung out with some other teams a little more, I think it would have been better. But you know that wasn't the way I could do it. Um, it's really interesting. It, it really is, and uh, I always kind of felt bad for you from that standpoint because I did get to know you a little bit, and so you were always one of the guys that people would ask me most about. Like your buddies with Przinsky, aren't you? I was like, yeah, we get along really well. He's been great to my family. He's been great to me. I was like, I was like, well, why is he such a dick? And I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he is. I really don't. See, that, that's the thing. I, because if you don't, well, I always, and people, this is another thing. I, I always judge people like off the way they've treated me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I was not nice to everybody in their life. No one is nice to everybody in their life, right? Right. Um, you try to do the best you can as a human being and sometimes you fail. Um, but again, I never went out of my way to try to be that, right? Be, yeah. be that, be, you know, your boy Millar, right? He's friends with everybody, right? That's him. Like he's, ah, you know, happy go lucky, right? Like Sean Casey, right? Okay. That's Jim told me, right? Like that's, that wasn't my, I mean, listen, I was an only child when I was, I was raised as an only child, you know, listen, am I selfish? I'm, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you I'm damn selfish. I mean, right? Because I'm an only child. But that was, I, I was always kind of taught and raised to look out for me, uh -huh. right? And that doesn't mean you're a bad teammate. It doesn't mean anything. Like, because I wanted to win and do everything I could for my team first before me. But at the same time, like, I was never an outgoing. I'm still not. I think if you ask people, I'm not a very outgoing, you know, jovial, like, let's all go hang out. Like, I, I have my friends. And, I have, you know, I go with them and we do things and they get me, but if you don't get me, then I, I don't. Yeah, that's just, okay. Now, you like, mentioned okay. that there are some things you would do differently. Can we just, and, and then I want to move on, but is there one particular thing that if you could hit the reset button, you'd say, God damn, I would do that differently. Oh man. One, oh man. Was it? I, I, uh, what were you going to say? Is it what? No, was, um, it, was it a relationship you had with a particular yeah, I think, teammate or a I think, manager? I think there's, or... Yeah, I think I think a lot of I think a lot when you look back. I don't know if there's one particular thing. I wish there were. I wish I would have been a little better at being a people person, right? Like, um, be, meaning being more outgoing, more happy. Like, but again, like that, I couldn't do that. I couldn't fake that. Like, I I couldn't be that person and then go try to kick the other team's ass. Because that just didn't, I needed, like I said, I needed that. So you needed that yeah. fuel. 
Yeah. And like so, yes, I wish I could look back and say, oh man, you know, is there one particular relationship? I mean, listen, there was arguments I had with guys on my team on other teams, and I wish I could go up and apologize to them and say, hey, we're cool. And I like take this for example. The other day it was with uh, Verlander, right? And we were at a golf tournament, and I was talking to him, and we had a really long conversation. Him and I, we never really got along on the field, but we've kind of become, I don't want to say friends, but we're acquaintances off the field. And we talked for probably 20 minutes at a golf tournament the, you know, a little while ago. And it was cool because I'm like, listen, this is how I, and then after we talked, he's like, thank you. Thank you for telling me what you told me. I understand more now, right? Like that was, it was cool because he was always a guy that I had a ton of at-bats off. We faced each other, you know, every six times a year. He'd pitch the whole game and I'd get like four at-bats off him every game. And, uh, and we had some wars and, and, but now looking back, I'm like, this is, and he's, he was like, thank you. It was things like that. Like, I wish, uh-huh. I just wish I would have been more maybe understanding to other people's feelings and other people's that not everybody could do it the way I did it and just kind of understand that. And as you get older, you got to look back and say, all right, I mean, there's not one, I mean, listen, I've aired out reporters, I've aired out teammates, I've aired out, a, you know, and would I change it? Maybe, but at the same time, I mean, it's happened and I'm not going to, I wish I had a time machine and could change a lot of things, but you know, it hasn't <laughs> happened. Did you ever want to punch Ozzy? Because I know Ozzy. <laughs> um, I mean, do, how much time do we have? I mean, which which time did I want to punch Ozzy? I mean, still when I see him, I still want to think about punching him sometimes. Uh, listen, Ozzy and I, Ozzy were great. Ozzy and I were great together because we already talked a little bit about it. like he could say things and I would just be like, yeah, right. bring it on. Um, the one thing I'll say about Ozzy, he played me all the time, and he never. He always knew he could put me in the lineup. Like he'd come to me and say, you're good. Absolutely. Like that was the one thing about Ozzy. He always played me. He never asked me. One time he asked me to take a day off. That was one of the times I almost punched him. Wanted to punch him. We were playing the Cubs at Wrigley. And people that know, know my history with the Cubs and how much I love the Cubs and the Cubs fans and the whole, the whole Wrigley scene. And uh, we were playing there and he didn't start me. The only, I think the only time when I was at the White Sox, I didn't start like a game against the Cubs and he didn't start me. And I, you know, I came in and said, you know, what, what's going on? And, and he's like, Oh, we're going to give, I think it was Toby Hall. We're going to give Toby Hall a start. You know, it's a lefty pitch. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, da, 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 da. and then he's like, but I got to answer all these questions about why you're not playing. I'm like, well, then just play me dumbass. Like then you don't have to answer the questions. Right. And so I was kind of mad about like, cause it did, it kind of came up like through the reporters and, so that was like, but I mean, most of the time, listen, Ozzy was great. Ozzy says things that you just kind of, as you get, as I played for him for all the years, you just kind of in this year, out the other year, move on. Um, gave us a good chuckle. I mean, I know like Canerco, Burley, Jermaine died. We, we come in, the reporters would be in our locker. They'd be like, Do you hear what Ozzy said? We're like, oh boy, what was it today? Right. And, and it was great. Um, and he, listen, he won a World Series. He's the, you know, great White Sox manager, great White Sox player. And he's got a great family. Um, you know, I, you know, I wish he'd shut up sometimes, of course, but I mean, people say the same thing about me. <laughs> How was your relationship with the umpires for the most part? Uh, I mean, you know, it just depended on who the umpire was. I think like who was uh, your favorite, who was your favorite guy back there? Yeah, you know, Tim McClellan was always good to me ever since I was young. He had the small, he had like his strike zone was like this though. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like you had to, like, you, there was no corners. It was all on the plate. Uh, so I'm like, Tim, come on, like, we're going to be here all day. Um, you know, people think like Ted Barrett was always good to me. Uh, I got to say Doug Eddings. I mean, because if you know my history with Doug Eddings, um, you know, the Anaheim thing, and there was a Tampa Bay thing. And, um, you know, he was good to me. Uh, you know, Joe West, people think I hate Joe West. Like, I actually loved Joe West because he was really good umpire. When he wanted to be a good umpire, he was really, really good. Uh, he was funny back there. Uh, Wendell Stapp's one of my favorites. Uh, Jerry Lane was one of my favorites. So how uh, far, like, how far could you take it? Like, if if you think the guy's having a bad day, and umpires are just like the rest of us, like they're not going to be great at their job every single day. <laughs> no, and they're that's not. A- they're, they're usually worse than the more bad than good, <laughs> depending on what side of it you're on. Like, how far could you go? Could you go, hey, listen, dude, you're really fucking us today. Or could you not say that? You is the magic word. You. If you say you, 
That's usually when you're gone. So like, I could say, you know, hey, Chris, you're having a terrible fucking day, right? Okay. But if you're like, you're terrible, gone, like automatic. So you could kind of skirt it a little bit. Um, most, I don't know, I think I was, I don't know how many times I was ejected from a game, probably, I'm sure it was double digits, right? Yeah, it was. They were all warranted. And most of them were planned on my end, because usually most of them were late in the game, like the last inning. And I was just, you know, tired of it. And I just wanted to get the heck out of there. So I'd be like, all right. I tell the backup catcher, whoever it was, I'd be like, hey, be ready because I'm I'm about to get bye-bye. And they'd be like, yeah, right. And then two pitches later, I'm out the door. Um, you know, there was only, let's see, I'm trying to think of uh, a couple times. There was one, my first ejection was definitely not. It was in San Francisco. It was in Colorado against, I get hit by a pitch. The umpire, I get all the way to first. umpire said I swung. I threw my batting gloves up in the air. Uh, the guy ejected me. And I ran off the field. And I said, "What?" He goes, "You threw your batting gloves so high." And I said, "Well, we're in Colorado. You know, it's higher altitude. They go higher in Colorado." <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I think I think it was Brian O'Nora that got me for that one. Um, you know, there was a couple like the Michael Barrett. I got ejected, which obviously wasn't planned. Um, Why? Because was, you kept throwing your face into his fist. <laughs> exactly. No, I got you know the exact the umpire's report was uh, they they ejected me for exciting the crowd. Yeah, well, you did, but I mean, I thought that was the whole point to playing professional sports is you excite right. the crowd. I know when I go to a game, I want to be excited in the crowd. So, uh, did, yeah. How often? How often do people still bring that? Do they still, or is that over? Oh gosh, no. When I'm in Chicago, so my favorite is people don't really remember what happened. They're like, "Oh, I remember that time you punched Michael Barrett, right?" Or you know, it, there, there's that always. So that always comes up, and I just kind of laugh about it, like. You know, everyone's heard the story 7 billion times, um, you know, and it was, it's one of the great, obviously the Chicago moments, sports moments, uh, you know, I, I can kind of see it running in the top. What's funny is John Mabry, who was the first baseman in that game, uh -huh. he ended up in the hospital. It's like four White Sox guys jumped on top of him. Jesus. He had nothing to do with it. Right. And then he was my hitting coach when I went to the Cardinals. So I, he's like, man, you know, you got me good. I'm like, I wasn't even in it, you know, but he, he's just a good guy. But, you know, it's one of the moments that just in life that, you know, you ask if you could do something over, like, I wish that, you know, do I wish it never happened? Of course, but am I glad it happened? Yeah, because, you know, people remember me a lot in Chicago for that, getting punched, and then striking out in game two and running to first. So it's like I always joke, you know, I remember for striking out and getting hit in the face. You also helped them break a little bit of a curse. So that was yeah, that was well done. That's too. okay. Hey, want to get back to the umpire thing, the Quinn Walcott one, where you were, oh, I think you were, you were in Cleveland. Yeah, your favorite Boston. place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you really yeah. say what people claimed you said? Well, I mean, do you see where that pitch is? That pitch is a strike. I don't understand why. Yes. So Brandon Workman was pitching, and he was struggling. We were having a rough go. And we were terrible that year, like the whole team. And so Quinn Walcott, the ball, you know, it was close. Not really. I don't know. It could have been a strike. It was 3-0. The thing was, it kind of led up to that. We were, I think we were losing that game pretty badly. And uh, I said to him, I, he throws a ball, and I say, you know, Quinn, can I have a new ball? And he goes, uh, okay. And he, he goes, why? He goes, didn't hit the ground. I go, yeah, I need one, a new one. He goes, what do you need a new one for? I go, I need a ball you can fucking see. And he, re if you kind of watch, he kind of reaches in his bag of balls, and he puts it, he actually puts it in my hand. Like, if you watch, he reaches in, he's like, time, and he reaches in, he grabs a new ball, and he puts it, he's like, wait, what? And then he's like, you can't say me to say that to me. And I'm like, say what? He goes, tell me I need a ball. I can see. I'm like, that's not what I said. He goes, yeah, it is. I go, that's not what I said, Quinn. He goes, what'd you say? I'm like, I need a ball. You can fucking see asshole. And then obviously John Farrell comes running out at me and he got, got ejected. But the, you know what that funny is that's like everyone's favorite story. And I stole that line from a guy I played with in the minor leagues named Shane Gunderson. He played at the university of Minnesota. He was a catcher. And he said, he played with this guy. And this guy used the line. So I had had that in my memory for like years and years and years. And I finally got the chance. And I was like, this is my shot. I'm, I'm shooting my shot right here. And here we go. And people, man, people love that story. That is a great one. It really is good. Um, As my wife in the background I was like, yeah, that's amazing. I love hearing that story. It is funny, though. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, More people she, need to try it. You know, I mean, she's been with you forever. So she's heard it 
a gazillion times, but it is funny every time <laughs> exactly. you hear it. Exactly. So, good. Keeps getting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to come up with like more. I have to come up with like better lines and stuff. You know, like tell her hi for lines. me, by the way. I don't know if she. Oh, remembers. she's. Hopefully, she's cooking dinner. <laughs> That's where we're going now. Play nice. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A um, couple other things. You one of your last stops, or was Saint? No, Saint Louis wasn't your last stop. It was no, next to last fourteen. Next, okay. So Yachty was hurt, I think, and they brought mm -hmm. you in. Um, so you, you didn't really get to see Yachty play very much, did you? Uh, the last couple weeks he came back and played. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was there? So, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go. No, I was going to say that it's a great, you know, we just showed the Quinn Walcott thing when I was with the Red Sox. So the Red Sox released me, like, right before the All-Star break-ish. So it was, like, around July 4th. Um, we had a trip planned. My family and Aaron Rowan and his family had, mm. wasn't playing anymore. We were going to meet in Boston for the All-Star break. We had an RV rented. We were going to go to Cape Cod, and then we, and then we went to Toronto. And then they were gonna, the family was going to drive to Toronto and meet us in Toronto. Well, I got released, so I ruined the family vacation, of course. So we rented an RV from Orlando, and at the time, Frank Thomas was – that was when Frank got inducted in the Hall of Fame. So he had invited us. So we rented an RV from Orlando, drove to Cooperstown in this RV, uh, and we're in Cooperstown, and my 10 days were up or whatever. And so along the way, Aaron Rowan would flip balls to me, like, and I would hit, like, on these, like, softball fields, like, goofing around and like, hitting – so I think I was out 17 days. I was in Cooperstown. I actually thought I was going to sign with the Royals, who ended up going to the World Series that year, because oh. Perez was kind of banged up. So they had out. So I talked to uh, Dane Moore, the GM, on the phone in Cooper. I'm literally in Cooperstown at Frank's Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> I'm, I'm next day. It was that was a Friday. I want to say a Thursday or Friday. And the next day we were on the lake, the Otisaga, or like whatever the lake is. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so that morning I got to go to breakfast at the Otisaga with like every living Hall of Famer. So it was me and my son, who at the time was at 14. So he was like seven, seven or eight. And so we're sitting there and I'm walking through the, the, the breakfast area and Al Kaelin's like, Hey, AJ, come have, you know, come have breakfast with me. You know, and I sit down with like McCarver and Bob Gibson and Carlton Fisk and you know, all, like pretty much every living Hall of Famer. So my son got to meet all these guys. Right. So then we rented a boat we go out on the boat and I get a call from, my agent, he says, hey, the Cardinals, you know, Yachty went down. The Cardinals are interested. I said, okay, great, because Matheny's going to call you in like five minutes. Okay, perfect. Talk to Matheny for like 20 minutes. Okay, my agent calls me back. All right, they want to sign you. Okay, perfect. He's like, when can you get to Chicago? I'm like, well, you know, an hour and a half drive to Albany, you know, flight to Chicago. He goes, okay, they have a day game tomorrow. Can you be there for it? I'm like, sure, no problem. Le literally leave the lake, get, get in a cab, drive to Albany, jump on a plane, Chicago, get there probably 7 o'clock that night. Play the next game. Now, keep in mind, I hadn't played in 17 days. Had really touched the bat. Hadn't touched the ball. Go out playing regularly. Arietta's pitching. And this is when Arietta was. Uh -huh. I get three hits, right? Which they were all like, how the heck did you get a hit? And I'm the only guy in history that went from release to Cooperstown back to playing. So it was it's kind of a great story how I ended up at St. Louis. Awesome. Was there an appreciation for what Yachty does? Oh, 100%. I, 100%. Like, after playing with him for the, the couple months that I did, even when he wasn't playing, he was around and involved and everything. Absolutely. Like, he, the guy didn't take a day off uh, ever. And um, I, that was something that I respect more than anything. Is like, guys that don't, you know, you turn on, oh, I need a day off or I need a, a you know, rest because I'm tired, fatigued. Like, no, no, no. I, don't, I was like, let's go, like, play every single day. Go as hard as you can every day, and he does that. Like this year, in the uh, at the end of the year, we had a Cardinals game, and Yachty wasn't playing; he was banged up. And we're on the field, and Schilt's there, and whoever I think I was, I don't know who I was working with, but Yachty walks by, you know, comes over, gives me a hug. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm like, man, two days in a row off. I'm like, you're getting soft. And he just gives me the nastiest looks, like never soft. And Schilt looks at me and goes, "You're the only guy I think that could say that to him, and he wouldn't just punch in the face." He's like, because that was great to see that he actually. Could take that from somebody. Funny. Hey, more AJ Pruszynski coming your way in just a second. But first, you're looking for the latest gear. You want a hat, you want a t-shirt, you want a hoodie, you want a blanket, you want a coffee mug. One-stop shopping. If you love us, you're going to love the John Boy Media Store. And I want to save you money. 
If you use the code word ROSE today, you get 10% off. So go do it. Go show my bosses how popular this show is. Okay, just type in R-O-S-E. It's the easiest last name in the world. It'll save you 10%. Plus, we got great gear. Jake sucks t-shirts, hoodies, blankets, hats, whatever you need for yourself or your friends or your family. It's just one-stop shopping. Go do it and save 10%. Let's get into your uh, high school real quickly. A lot of people know that you went to the same high school as Johnny Damon. You two are not even the most famous people to come from there. No, we're not even close. We might not even be top five. It's amazing. The Go ahead and you can reveal. Well, I mean, Wayne Brady, who everyone knows, right? From Let's Make a Deal. He was on uh, What's My Line. Yeah. Uh, DJ Khaled, who everyone knows. DJ Khaled's uh, like right around your age group, isn't he? He was two years behind me, I think. Uh, then you have uh, Joey Fatone. Insync, you know, famous Insync guy. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of a song called Despacito, right, Chris? I'm sure you. Of course. You know, you get suave with your wife yeah. to that song. Oh yeah. Louis Fonzi, he was there when I was there. Um, man, I'm trying to think. Ha Ha like, Clinton Dix was there. Like, did you know these guys? I knew Joey. I knew Joey was one year behind me, so I knew him. So um, when he gets when he gets big, you're like, holy shit, that's Joey Fatone. Oh well, we you know Joey Fatone. Good for him because you know his name. Uh, but yeah, he's great. Like, you know, when he sees me, you know, we still talk and uh, he, he's good. He's a really good dude. Like, uh, and then I've got to know Kirkpatrick, who was in Orlando for a long time too. He didn't go to DP, but yeah, he's 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 another guy. Uh, Fonzie, I had met, he was around. He was he was just kind of like a, two years behind me, I think. And, and he was like a drum, like Joey Fatone and him were like kind of a drama singing, which kind of wasn't really my my gig back then right um but you know you knew they were like these guys are talented and uh you know they, they obviously made it they did all right yeah they did okay i think wayne brady's going to be the host of the uh high school fundraiser whenever everybody gets back there what yeah. high school fundraiser for you no no i mean you know whatever high school reunion fundraiser something. oh you mean oh dp yeah we need it now we fall yeah. off the earth now um you also, for people that have followed your career, know that you were a huge wrestling guy. Um, and I knew that you had made a few appearances, but your one with Bob Barker that we are about to show <laughs> is legendary off the charts. So enjoy this. Uh. Ladies and gentlemen, a two-time All-Star <laughs> and World Series champion from the Chicago White Sox, pitcher A.J. Brzezinski. Come on down. You're the next contestant. to contestants row aj oh, oh thank you bob barker yeah <laughs> in person do you like the cubs no they don't like that they don't like the cubs no <laughs> aj i understand you're a real wwe fan i'm a huge fan bob been watching since i little but i'm a bigger bob barker fan price is right forever <laughs> well that's great <laughs> is that true Heck yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, Chris, you, we're close to the same age. Do you remember? I mean, you had like three channels. So if you're homesick, man, Price is Right. Yeah. Right. That was the, the, the jam back in back, you know, those 80s, early 90s. Look at my hair. My hair matched Bob Barker's hair. Dude, your your hair was precious. <laughs> Just as. So. Yeah. No, I don't like the Cubs. If anyone asks. Right. He was asking. He wasn't asking me because he knew the answer. So we did that and we kind of, Jermaine, obviously Jermaine Dye was there and there was a couple guys there. And so I kind of knew, they're like, you got to act like you didn't know we were going to pick you, right? So they do the whole thing and they announce it and the place went crazy. Like I'm talking nuts, right? Booing, yelling, everything. So I run up there, do the whole thing. And they tell me, they say, listen, you've got to say, I think it was a thousand, a thousand dollars for whatever they were mm -hmm. around. You have to say a thousand. You don't say a thousand, it won't match on the screen. And I go, okay, well, what are they doing? They're like, well, the winner gets body slammed by, I think, by Big Show. Right? So they're like, if you don't say it right, you, then he, you know, I'm like, fine. So I'm like, that. And I think Santino, Santino ended up losing. He ended up getting body slammed. But I mean, yeah, wrestling is, I still, my, my family makes fun of me because I still watch it, but uh, I still have buddies that, that do it or are in the business. So it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, was just a, 
something I liked and I still like it. I'm not embarrassed to admit it. Uh, I don't watch it as religiously as I used to, uh, but I still kind of know what's going on. I kind of cliff notes version with, you know, DVR. Now you can kind of fast forward to, to see what you want to see. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And heck, I think you and I, we did some wrestling one time. Oh yes, we did down in Orlando. <laughs> it was brutal. It was brutal. It was, uh, not a good singlet look for your boy. Can we get some, I mean, Rob, can we roll that video? Please? Yeah, I, I think I um, have told those people that that is embargoed, as we like uh, to say. In the, well, that one was so that was amazing. Was that with was that with TNA? Is that who we did? Yeah, it, it was TNA. Okay, yeah. so I think Jeff Jarrett was the guy who was in charge of it all, right? Yes, yeah, and he was awesome. So we were in the production meeting, and they're like, "Okay," and for people that remember this on Best Damn, I always played up the wrestling as fake card, always. But I loved having the wrestlers on because they were so entertaining and they were so nice to everybody and gracious. And they were just wonderful entertainers and great people. So I was really kind of curious how they were going to play this. And they were like, Rose, we know your whole deal. They had a wrestling is fake T-shirt that I had to wear out in front of all these crazy fans who didn't know my whole shtick. But they were like, you're the biggest motherfucking asshole ever. (laughs) Now I know what it was like to be you. And then they were like, "Okay, we're going to play the music and Rowdy Rowdy Piper is going to come out. And he is going to take it to you. And I was like, well, hold on. What does this mean? And Roddy walks into the room and he was a a little bit lost at this point in his life. Right. He's like, listen, I'm just going to hit you and it won't hurt. I was like, okay, but I will be wearing an IFB, a piece of plastic in my ear. So if you could hit me in this, this side of the face, just in case he's like, no problem. I was like, oh God, this isn't going to go well. So I get out there and I'm (laughs) screaming, wrestling is fake. And here comes Roddy, Roddy Piper. He fucking hits me in the wrong ear puts the thing inside of my brain where they basically had to take pliers out and take it out. And then he took the fucking fire extinguisher full of baking soda and sprayed it in my face. I could, I've been choking on baking soda because I didn't know it was coming. And all the producers of Best Damn, John Entz and Becker are sitting here. They're going, throw it to break. Throw it to break. I'm like, <laughs> like, just the baking soda are coming out of my face. So, you okay, I think it sounds like no. Roddy Roddy Piper got you too. No kidding, I think the baking soda got me. Jesus Christ! All right. Listen, wrestling is not wrestling is not fake. It might be scripted. Yeah. Listen, I've hit I've hit people with chairs before, and I know they tell me do not let up. Like hit them as hard it, hit me as hard as you can, and I've done it, and yeah. I feel sorry for those people because they get up and they're like, oh, well, you know. Great chair shot, brother. And I'm like, dude, like, how do you get up and take that? It's a great point. I, I should have never said, here it is. Here it yeah. is. Look at this. I, so I can't breathe. And there's got John Ants and Steve Becker. Like, Look at me. I'm like, this is it. By the way, great. Like I said, great singlet. And by the way, is there, was there ever a better show than Best Damn? Don't ask me why I never continued after eight years. That's a whole other offline discussion. I mean, all those people are now all the executives of like every TV station in the world. I know, I know. And then there's it was fun you, one. It was and then a there's fun you one. put. Then there's you put in face. It's cute. All right, <laughs> I'm going to ask you one serious question, then we're going to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. You can go back to your life. Um, the best pitcher you ever caught was. Are we talking All Star game or during the season? Just during, period. The season? Who's the guy? I mean, Mariano. Like? Mariano Rivera is still my. I got to catch him in an all-star game and it was like the coolest thing of all time. What made it so good? Because he threw one pitch and I could never hit it. No one else could either. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, he knew it was coming and these are the best players in the world. And you could no one could hit it, especially I was left-handed. I mean, just broke my bat every time and just laughed. Okay, fair enough. We're going to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things and get you out of here. Wild Ride. Okay. What was your first car? 1983 Bronco 2. Bronco 2? Yeah. You, you, you don't even remember those, do you? Is that a Jeep? It's like a, you know, a Bronco? Yeah. And they have like the small Bronco Sport now. Oh. It was like a Bronco 2. It was like a smaller Bronco. Great story about that car. My junior year at varsity. I make the varsity team my junior year. First game. Leaving school, all my stuff in it, locked the keys in the car. Had to break the window to go to the game, my first no, you high didn't. school game. That, 
And there's, there's no cell phone. I had to drive the game, broke the window. You did not punch it. Would you? How do you? How do you? I, I wouldn't even. We hit it with a bat. We hit it with a bat. Broke. It. Oh. Yep. Great I'm car though. It was a great car. How'd mom like that one afterwards? Yeah, they weren't real happy. They're like, how dumb can you be? I'm like, fairly pretty dumb. First game, you know, locked the keys in the car. Car was running too, by the way. All right, dude. This was great to catch up. I uh, we have to do it more often, just in terms of wrapping uh, on the phone. You know. For sure. You're too busy, though. You have eight jobs, you know? Definitely. Well, I do have eight jobs, but, you know, I still find time <laughs> to annoy my wife. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Um, I think, well, it's funny. I went back to my preseason prediction. I think the night of the first game of Dallas. Browns? You had Browns? And then... I did not. I had oh, Bills, wow. and yeah. I had uh, Niners. And I, it's a long road for both, but it wouldn't shock me if it was that. I agree, yeah. Did you go to Did the you? game last year? The what? Super Bowl? Yeah. No. You didn't go. I gave up on the Super Bowls after you quit, you know, getting me into the parties. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I You know, if you want to fly out to L.A., I could probably get you in. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, if, uh, I'm gonna say no pass. to that one. You'll pass. Why? Do you have a, do you have you, a Super Bowl? You, you want to pick a winner here? Geez. Well, I get it. Who's even now? I think Chiefs are going to. Chiefs are going to be hard on the AFC for sure. Okay. I mean, Chiefs-Packers would be – That would be fun. Especially be fun because um, they have played tw- they've played twice since Mahomes became a starter. Rodgers missed this year, and Mahomes missed the one before. So we've never had Rodgers against Mahomes. That would be, be pretty fun. That would be, yes, be, be great. Um you know, now that I root for the Bears because my son is the biggest Bears fan in the world, mm. it's hard for me to root for the Packers. To, sure is to win. Yeah, don't worry, they're going to get it right one of these years. What is? Yeah, well, they won in '85, so I mean, you know, right around the corner. Yeah, it's like Georgia. You know, eventually you got to win. Yeah, every 41 years. <laughs> nice. Tell your family hello. Uh, my kids too, say they were excited to hear that uh, that old AJ was going to get interviewed today, so they send their best. These little monsters I've got running around that are six four and six one, and um, how did you make such tall kids? Well, I'm not so sure they're mine. Got to be honest. No. Okay, I'll, I'll let you know. The DNA swab's coming back uh, next week. <laughs> Twenty ancestry. Yeah, ancestry. Uh, tall cousins on both sides. Very tall first cousins, like six seven, six eight uh, on both sides. So I think <laughs> that that had something to do. At least I'm going with that story. Uh, best of your family. Continued success on the Fox broadcast. And when you do sneak into Cooperstown on that first ballot, don't be surprised when Rose gives you a call. Okay, well, if I sneak into the first ballot, if I sneak in at all, Chris, and it's not with a ticket, you'll be my first phone call. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll take my RV with Aaron Rowan, and we'll meet you up there. Perfect. All right, buddy. Good catching up. Thanks for entertaining the uh, the viewers and the listeners out there. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Always fun with you, Chris. Special shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Robbie Scirocco, who helped AJ Brzezinski attach his earbuds to his computer. And thanks very much to you for listening. We will see you next time on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.